is the main event. What you gonna do? If you're so mad, best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. Woo! Yeah! Ooh, yeah. I am the game. Costoco said so. Oh my god! What I'd like to have right now. Rest in peace, Waterrush. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. Are you ready? Everyone has a price. Yeah, I come here to fight. Sandy innovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Introducing your old school pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, Beyond the Bell. This week, we cover the stage of our favorite industry on Beyond the Bell number 150 here on the SNS Radio Network. I'm your host, Sean Beckerman, pro wrestling ring announcer and broadcaster on the independent circuit here to bring you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Welcome back, old schoolers, and for you new fans and new listeners of Beyond the Bell, this is your home for all retro wrestling. We cover all topics, the best and worst in sports entertainment. We relive the greatest moments Different topics spanning different organizations. The AWA, WCW, WWF, WWE, and so on. Plus certain specific theme shows. The history of music and professional wrestling. Gimmick Gala, the greatest gimmicks in professional wrestling. Famous feuds, epic encounters, all covered. Plus our Chronicle series breaking down the history of the greatest in professional wrestling. All this is on Beyond the Bell. Thank you for joining us, new fans. And once again, thank you, our old-timers, for coming back. Episode number 150. And on this special monumental edition of Beyond the Bell, I wanted to cover the stage of professional wrestling. This is where those superstars demonstrate their craft practice their art form and our emotions are taken for a ride tonight we cover the history and every aspect of the wrestling ring itself on this edition we'll cover the history of the wrestling ring what makes up the ring specifically and the different types of rings related to different organizations throughout professional wrestling history plus we go back to an article on WWE.com from one of the designers of the WWE rings. Plus, we cover why it's called the Squared Circle. This is a special edition to kick off number 150 in Beyond the Bell history. But first, it's time to bring the longest reigning segment in Unplugged history now to Beyond the Bell as we'll take a trip Back in time for this week in wrestling. On March 1st, 1986, the World Wrestling Federation aired its first ever Slammy Awards, which took place at the Civic Center in Baltimore, Maryland. And it was recognized by 
the quote-unquote Academy of Wrestling Arts and Sciences. On this date, March 1st, in this week in history, the WWF aired its first ever Slammy Awards edition. In 1986, we didn't have the internet, as it did not even exist yet. We also didn't have a pay-per-view every month, or even two nights a week of dedicated primetime programming. Basically, if you wanted to watch professional wrestling, particularly the WWF, you had to make a real effort. And when you did watch, it was like opening a pack of baseball cards. You didn't know what you were going to get. It was exciting. One star, and of course, 14 scrubs in that pack. So imagine how exciting it was to see the entire roster in one spot, acting like a bunch of goofballs, and having a good time, complete with song and dance and a lot of other shenanigans, it was as good as it gets. Fans even rushed out to buy the soundtrack as soon as it was available. But the first ever Slammy Awards took place this week in wrestling and it made history. Now the precursor you could say to the now WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, which takes place the night before WrestleMania, as we all know, and the Slammy Awards in its current form is an end-of-year show, or sometimes it's taking place in the beginning of the year, depending upon where Raw falls out, but typically the end of the year rounds up the Slammy Awards edition, and it's now fan voting via the WWE app. My have times have changed. This week, the Slammy Awards were born. If you trained, say your prayers, and ate your vitamins, then you'll love the Hulkamania Chronicles. Sean Beckerman, host of Beyond the Bell, your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, breaks down the history and career of the legendary Hall of Famer, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Each edition covers a different era in the history of the Hulkster as we relive our childhood hero. From the beginning of Hulkamania in the mid-80s and the birth of WrestleMania through the challenging times of the steroid trial all the way to his jump to WCW and the formation of Hollywood Hogan and the New World Order and then his return to the WWF leading in to the Hall of Fame. This edition covers it all. You can catch the Hulkamania Chronicles exclusively on Beyond the Bell here on the SNS Radio Network, brother. Old school fans, a wrestling ring is the stage the ring stage that professional wrestlers demonstrate their craft. It is their platform. The configuration and construction of the traditional ring is very similar to and likely derived from a boxing ring. Though the wrestling version has fewer ring ropes, as the standard boxing ring evolved into a four-rope structure, and the ring ropes are not tethered together, at their midpoint. 
You could see them. Uh, I could post photos on my website, ringannouncing.com. You could also see photos of me uh, announcing boxing matches, and you'll see that tether combining all the ropes together, connecting them. Most, if not all, wrestling rings also incorporate more in the way of padding and shock-absorbing construction than boxing rings. Although this varies according to the preference of, of course, the promoter and the organization itself. Wrestling rings are generally composed of an elevated steel beam and wood plank stage covered by foam padding and a canvas mat with the sides then covered with a ring skirt to prevent spectators from seeing underneath. Around the ring are three cables, the ring ropes, wrapped in various types of piping, generally rubber hosing and tape. They're held held all together up by turnbuckles. We will discuss the varying rope styles according to different rings and promotions. These ropes are held up and tensioned by turnbuckles, which in turn hang on steel cylindrical poles. The round poles, or in Impact Wrestling's case, they are square. These ring posts can vary with types of rings and promotions, of course. The ends of the, turnbu- of the, ends of the turnbuckles themselves facing into the ring are usually heavy, heavily padded, either individually, as in the United States, or with a large pad for all three, similar, similar to a boxing ring, which Japan has a ten- tendency to do. Usually around ringside, there are two sets of steel steps, one on either side of the ring that some wrestlers use to enter and exit the ring, of course. All parts of the ring are often used as part of various offensive and defensive moves that superstars can innovate. Wrestling rings vary in shape and size, with most measuring between 14 and 20 feet on each side, measured between the turnbuckles themselves. The WWE uses a 20-foot ring, while the past promotions, such as WCW and ECW, used an 18-foot ring. Because of this, the 18-foot ring is commonly held as the standard for wrestling rings in the U.S. and Canada. Rings typically include an apron, which we mentioned, the skirt, the apron area of the ring floor, extending between 1 and 2 feet beyond the ropes, and the ring floor generally between three and four feet above the ground, if you can visualize it. Many rings utilize a suspension system with a large coil spring underneath the stage to reduce the impact of a wrestler landing on it. The stiffness of the springs varies, of course, with softer springs providing a gentler impact. But this is at the expense of the wrestlers bouncing visibly on impact. A stiffer spring provides more realistic visual experience, but at a higher risk of injury due to the harsher impact. According to Mick Foley, rings built for the World Wrestling Federation before approximately 1998 were particularly stiff, and one of them contributed to his injury suffered during the famous Hell in the Cell match against The Undertaker. A newer style of ring construction utilizes a flexi-beam system instead of a spring, where the steel beams used to construct the ring stage absorb much of the impact. The traditional ring such as that used by the WCW, you know, WWE F promotions, is four-sided. But other configurations exist, such as the six-sided ring of AAA and now currently of Total Nonstop Action Impact Wrestling. 
Now, let's break down the posts and turnbuckles themselves. When wrestling first began, we saw it done in boxing rings. Now that we have designated rings, a unique style is born. The turnbuckles are attached directly to the customized posts themselves. There are screws from the post welds over each rope corner as well. There are joined, they're all joined together by a common bind to space and hold the tension. Posts are made of thick, solid steel, but there is a bit of padding around these, and the posts are attached to a foundation floor along the base floor of the ring underneath them in addition to other welding combined. Let's talk about turnbuckle covers. There is a logo covered set of three typically for each ring rope for each post. They're well cushioned. They're kind of bag-like pillows, even though some wrestlers will not classify them as soft like a pillow at times. But they are laced like shoes in the back over and under, each covered and cushioned as well with a tension pull. The mat itself is made of an extremely tight, thin foam cover. Under the foam pad itself is a three-quarter to an inch piece of plywood. Under that, we have steel beams that hold the integrity of the mat with the help of a skeletal sheet metal. In between the metal and wood are the tension springs which respond accordingly to weight. This gives the superstars an easy run with the, comp- the with the compromise of a landing. This really does not injure them as often. Under all this, there are thick steel beams which support the mat structure and the same beams along with four sides of the ring. These same beams also cut the ring sides in half to gain support from the floor. The WWE ring, which is 20 by 20, is the largest of all the promotions, thus making the size of each part of the ring bigger. The ring and mat is elevated four feet above the ground, making it possible to store items, you know, all underneath. The ropes themselves are made of actual rope with a strengthening wire in the inside. That is exclusively for Well, I shouldn't say exclusively. We mainly know this to be a part of WWE rings, which they tape the actual rope. The coating for each rope is a layer of foam with a colored tape to hold it all together. Now, typically all white. Used to be all red during the Attitude Era and mixed with black and blue for SmackDown, but the majority we see is white tape around now. The traditional was the red, white, and blue rope for the WWF. But make no mistake about it, these ropes are pulled extremely tight, thanks to the turnbuckles. The ropes are also a little painful to run into, as many wrestlers will tell you. And if you don't know what you're doing, it's even worse. Outside, there are standard three and a quarter inch hard foam mats, you know, like a karate studio, which would surround the wrestling ring. But... It used to be the the typical blue mat you would see maybe in a high school gym, which was around the WWF rings. Now they're these well-padded foam um, mats, which are connected to the the ramp even in a, in a sense, and they're all connected to each other via tape. And at some point, they connect directly into the black guardrail, which is no really a not, not really a guardrail anymore. It's kind of that that barricade. 
The stairs are steel with diamond grate along the top. These steps weigh about 150 pounds for the top set and about 250 pounds for the bottom set. Now, I know the WWE exaggerated these numbers a lot more for the stairs match between Big Show and Eric Rowan. But that's typically on average 150 to about 250, a total of could be almost 500 pounds at some point for the combined steps. Now, that is typically your WWE ring. Now, those steps can vary per promotion. TNA sometimes had the single step connection. Uh, you also had uh, in J- Japan as well, WCW at one point used the single step connection. And of course, at there were some WCW NWA pay-per-views that there weren't even steps. You had that long, high ramp directly connecting to the ring. Now, with the ropes, like I mentioned, we talked about the actual rope taped around for the WWE rings. WCW used the cable rope. A lot of independent independent promotions will use the cable rope. At times, it could be cheaper, less maintenance, less wear and tear as using an actual rope that can vary with promotion to promotion. TNA Impact Wrestling currently uses the uh, the cable rope as well as New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, let's talk about the differences as we're speaking about the different promotions. In the old WWF days, the ring was not nearly as forgiving. This is why, like I said, Mick Foley earned the accolades of the locker room especially from Hell in a Cell. There was a less sophisticated spring system, more concerned with the running and integrity of the mat. Back in the days of WCW, the ropes were not ropes at all, like I mentioned. The ropes were actually elevator cable, which was a dreaded spring for each wrestler, making the bounce off, making the bounce off the ropes incredibly <laughs> difficult to handle. The mat in WCW had even less give with each impact as they were concerned with more of a realistic show. The mat also had a microphone underneath. That's why every time you'd heard them, you would uh, hear them hit the mat, you'd hear that that classic WCW crash. It's a gladiator stage, a legend spotlight, and quite literally, an artist canvas. But what goes into creating a wrestling ring is quite intricate. Each wrestling organization has their own slightly different version. But for more than 20 years, WWE rings have been supplied by one man. WWE.com spoke with Mark Carpenter regarding his assembly of the WWE ring. He has built over 50 rings for the company. Now let's break down this article which will help you understand a little bit more about what goes into making the wrestling ring. Carpenter is a proprietor of MTJ Manufacturing, a Bridgeport, Connecticut-based metal fabrication facility. They specialize in building custom heavy-duty truck bodies, tractor trailers, and of course, the squared circle itself. Yes, we'll discuss where that name comes from in just a bit. The first job they did for WWE was at WrestleMania 6 in Toronto. WWE had purchased some scissor construction lifts, and they went to them to be turned into uh, chariots, if you remember, which would escort the wrestlers to the ring to carry each wrestler up and back. It was mainly designed for Andre the Giant and used for every wrestler 
during that specific event. Remember, Andre came in at WrestleMania 3, up and back, but this this company was used for the WrestleMania 6 event as the rampway was going to match that of the Pontiac Silverdome as the Sky Dome. Within a year, they transitioned into building the old rings, which had springs in them. One of the men that has been responsible for erecting Carpenter's rings in arenas around the country is Mark Eaton, who was uh, recently let go from the company. He was famously known for tossing Stone Cold Steve Austin his beers. He was a WWE veteran who was widely recognized by longtime fans as the ringside timekeeper. He also performed the role of production manager. During his 30 years in the company, he's seen rings evolve to accommodate different needs, whether for the health and well-being of the superstars or for simple travel logistics. When he started back in 1984, they made the ring to be transported as it broke down into 10-foot sections. Each piece had four corner poles, four side poles, and a spring in the center so they would make an X. They then put the 10-foot beams across, then 10-foot plywood, and it fit in a 12-foot cube van truck without a problem. That that 1980s-era ring, like a bad fashion trend, is thankfully a ring of the past, and and wrestlers are just as thankful as well. He said that it was the worst thing that could happen to the wrestlers, because a spring could bottom out, and now they don't have a spring anymore. They had a ring that they kept up in Alaska, and the wrestlers started raving about how nice that ring was, and it wasn't as physically demanding on the body as well. Vince McMahon brought it back down to the continental states, and they used that to build the rings that that was used as the model to build the rings that are better for the wrestlers' bodies. Carpenter took off from there with the style. He took a look at it specifically and designed the new rings and came up with the structure, the frame, everything that went into the ring. The current ring has no springs. The design of WWE's ring is something of a secret recipe. I suggest going on YouTube, I believe they have the video, of them constructing the ring in real time with, you know, of course, with the fast forward motion. It is great to see the construction of the ring. He, uh, Carpenter said that you could reverse engineer it, but he is the only one to know how to build one. To have everything laser cut and have the materials in place, it takes about three weeks to build a ring. WWE rings are built by Carpenter at a standard 20 foot by 20 foot size, the customary size for WWE rings, like we mentioned. But some venues and conditions have required slight changes, and this is where it gets interesting the variety and variations of the ring itself. They used to do a tent tour in New England every summer, and they couldn't use their ring because it was on a round stage that was smaller than their ring specifically. So they would have to bring it in to basically a 16-foot ring size. So when you watch someone like Sid Vicious or Sid Justice, Psycho Sid, he'd take one step, hit the rope, turn around, take another step, and end up on the other side of the ring. You couldn't do any high-flying stuff off the ropes because the lights were so low in these tents. When they did Shotgun Saturday Night in Penn Station, they used smaller rings because it wouldn't have fit between the pillars. I remember watching this in actually in Penn Station. It looked different. You could tell it looked much smaller. 
In regular arenas, it's always been the 20-foot ring. It was WWE New York, WWE's former restaurant and event, and event space in Times Square, that forced Carpenter to rethink the ring's assembly entirely. They couldn't bring the ring to the second floor as it had to go in the freight elevator. A similar problem they had with the Manhattan Center for Monday Night Raw. They had to design a tube system to come apart and put together on the second floor. They built that ring specifically for that instance. To a layman, the ring is the same as it's been since the dawn of professional wrestling, but Carpenter has always been making slight adjustments and variations. A wrestling ring is constantly evolving. It's an evolving entity in professional wrestling. He stated that this is approximately five or six versions of reinforcement of the corner poles with the force of hitting the ropes the poles used to bend like crazy now you need two people to pick them up carpenter only deals with metal components and structure of the ring itself he is now responsible for the ropes mat or turnbuckle padding WWE has never used cable or or any other type besides only real rope Here's a direct quote from Mark Eaton. Rope, of course, can break over time if you don't replace it often enough. He remembers back in Poughkeepsie, New York, when they used to tape three weeks of TV in one night. There was a match with Hulk Hogan where he hit the ropes and the weld on the bottom of the pole snapped. All the poles went limp and slid down the canvas. The bolt, or we, they put a bolt in and were able to finish the night of tapings. It never happened again, but we now they now carry a collar around just in case. Those adaptations you learn as these instances take place, you learn and grow from them, and that's how the ring evolved. A regular ring is put together with 12 beams, four cross beams, and eight beams on top, on uh, top of that specifically, and then the boards on top of that. If there is a 40-man battle royal, as a couple years ago for the Royal Rumble, they would add more beams underneath and above. If they didn't want any bounce to the ring, they would put jacks underneath some of the beams and shore it to the ground like a jack under a car. When Kane was preparing to compete in the first ever Inferno match, where the ring was surrounded by fire, Carpenter created the hangers to hold the flames, and additional measures were taken specifically for that match. They had to use different poles, so they wouldn't burn and melt away. For WrestleMania 29, they needed to develop a heating system in, in, in case outdoor conditions at, Met, at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. I remember being there at the event. It was cold, but they took extreme precaution in case it was even colder possibly with snowing and it made it too chilly for the superstars to perform they covered their behinds by adding a heating system this necessitated an unprecedented and groundbreaking new development of how rings can be created they hung a heater above the ring and they were heated and they were heated parts of the ring heat was actually coming out the turnbuckle or the ring posts through the turnbuckles the outer frames were the same, but they had to make special poles to bring heat up, so they hooked furnaces into the poles so warm air could blow up and out through the holes in the poles themselves. Carpenter has also built the steel cages for many years, initially with the 
big blue bar cage design, and then they transitioned to the chain link. The big square steel cage, which was made for WrestleMania 2 in LA with Hogan and King Kong Bundy, was made so that they could get the camera lens through without obstruction. The original cage was four 10-foot pieces that were held together with straps and cables. Then they went to eight pieces with 12 holes and cables on top. It was cumbersome, and it cut the wrestlers up. If Hulk Hogan went over the top, he'd get cut by the aircraft cable. They designed a system from that, which is still used now, that has pins and, bo- and boots. The, the, there are boots on the poles, and the panels fit into them. If you, you could Google what boots are, it kind of connects so it cre- doesn't create uh, that sharp, you won't need that sharp design of the aircraft cable. As the cages had aircraft cable, it took an hour to put them on the ring. The fastest they've ever put the cage up is six minutes, and it's a lot safer. If you go to a WWE house show, you can see they'll even have the cage hung above at times. Usually during a Raw, they'll have it above to save some time for production and design. But during a house show, they'll put that thing up maybe during an intermission, and they've gotten very, very efficient in putting it up that mesh Uh, chain link steel cage also another modification that I just added recently to my notes took place at this past special pay-per-view event WWE Fastlane if you took a look at the poles uh, that connected of course that's connected to the turnbuckles the steel poles looked a little bit more elevated then if you look closer there were there were holes inside each pole I noticed that right away and then I wonder what what those holes were. And then my questions were answered as they produced the very first ever turnbuckle view shot of the wrestling ring. They showed you what a move looked like from the perspective of the turnbuckle. A new modification to the wrestling ring. A camera was put inside the ring pole, the ring post, to add to production value. Another great modification and shows why the WWE is number one in production value. The wrestling ring. So many different variations. Now the turnbuckle, specifically as we are just speaking about the brand new innovation of the turnbuckle cam, but the turnbuckle typically can vary in sizes as well. You have your standard pillow-like WWF, WWE turnbuckle with the logo on it because it's a much taller, a little bit wider, more cushioned, type of turnbuckle, you could fit that logo on easier. Now, what WSW used, which now what Impact Wrestling, TNA uses, was more so more of a flatter pillow-like structure. It's more like rubber, which is folded over and then wrapped around with the shoestring. Take a look at the visualizations of each ring, and you'll see the difference. Now, Impact Wrestling was able to throw their logo on those turnbuckles, as the height maybe is a little bit taller than the height of the WSW turnbuckles. Maybe you could say the WWE turnbuckles provide a little bit more cushion. Who will ever forget George the Animal Steel shaking up those turnbuckles, tearing them apart, throwing all the stuffing out and eating it. The classic. One of the most common questions that I get from fans of the industry is what the term squared circle means. The term squared circle is often used by wrestling promotions and professional wrestling commentators to refer to the ring itself. It is a term that originated in traditional Greco-Roman wrestling. Since the action takes place on a square mat with a circle painted on it, typically that's 
stemming from the circle from an amateur wrestling mat. This format is still used by amateur wrestling leagues throughout the world. Wrestling promoters could have adopted the term from these earlier roots, or it simply could be that it's referred to as a ring, a circle, but is square in shape. There is also belief that it could be from the mathematical problem of squaring the circle. Also, like Pat Patterson would call it, wrestling is like a circus, a three-ring circus, entering center ring, you know, when you have the the main announcer calling out the main uh, main entertainment angle, main production, main event show. It's the center ring, and the squared circle is the wrestling ring's version of your main stage. Wherever it derived from, the squared circle will go on and on throughout history as one of the most endearing terms for the stage that the superstars show their craft and entertain us on a nightly basis. I will continue to use the term squared circle and pass it down to my son and my children and so on and so forth and the squared circle term will stand the test of time. So in professional wrestling rings, there have been modifications. I cannot wait to see the modifications in the future. When you talk about the future, you talk about WWE NXT. Another modification made, the most recent and I think will be groundbreaking technology which will be used for future rings to come, is the video apron. If you watch the NXT specials or watch NXT every Wednesday on the WWE Network, you'll notice that on each side... Or especially you'll notice on the hard camera facing the apron, there is a video screen, which will flash using the NXT logo or what superstar is coming out. This, I believe, will be the groundbreaking technology that will send wrestling rings to the next millennium, which will send them to unprecedented heights. As now, like video walls you'll get in arenas, and as well as you'll see advertising on hockey boards and a hockey rink. You can now do advertising on the ring aprons themselves. Typically, WWE has their advertising for the, uh, it used to be for WWE.com on each side besides the event name apron itself. But now they switched to the WWE Network apron on the other sides. With still the name Raw Smackdown, whatever show it is on the hard camera apron. But now... You can change, each match can have, this is sponsored by so-and-so Slim Jim, sponsored by Twix, you know, Skittles, Taste the Rainbow. You can now have advertisements during the match as well. Can't be too distracting from what's taking place in the ring, but you can also integrate the apron with the entrances. Like you'll see, it will say Finn Balor when, when Finn comes out, or Charlotte. It'll change to the color of the entrance of the superstar. This is the next stage, the next evolution of wrestling rings, integrating the video screen experience around the squared circle itself as well. Great technology. When I first saw it, I said, yes, that, that is hot, that is new, that is innovative, and that is going to bring a lot of money. And, uh, and increase the production value even further for the WWE. And I look for that production style and that apron technology to expand and transition to the main roster. Now, with that comes the liability of it breaking, 
of course, you would lose the opportunity to pull materials, plunder, toys, hardcore items from underneath the ring. Maybe you could design it where it can lift up, or you could still get some items underneath that little gap between the mat, the the outside ring mat, and the video screen itself. Or, like in NXT, I think at one point they only had them on two sides, and the other two sides were back to the basic uh, ring apron itself. You could do that and just have the hard camera and even maybe the the apron that leads into the entrance ramp as the video screens. But I think it leaves an opportunity for so many different ideas to be demonstrated. Advertising, production value, entrances. This is the new evolution for wrestling rings. Wrestling rings are fun for me. When I stepped into my first ever wrestling ring as an independent ring announcer, I got goosebumps. I love the ring itself, just the way it looked. When I had my toy wrestling ring, when I played with my action figures, I would just stare at the ring. For some some reason to me, the wrestling ring is a thing of beauty. Maybe because it brings so many memories back of my favorite moments throughout my childhood. My favorite wrestling moments. Watching Hulk Hogan win the championship. Feeling goosebumps with The Rock and, and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 18. You know, being there to witness the very first Monday Night Raw. The first ever WrestleMania. WrestleMania 20. WrestleMania 30. 29. The memories of being there and witnessing all your favorite stars and being entertained inside one squared circle. The ropes, various colors throughout history, the red, white, and blue, to the red, to the blue for SmackDown, red for Raw, now all white, which initially debuted in the return of Saturday night's main event, the all-white ropes, which looked pretty cool at the time, and now it's the standard going forward for WWE programming. Then you had the all-black ropes, which they use for SmackDown and occasionally for Raw, for super shows, certain pay-per-view events, black ropes. They bring back the red, white, and blue rope for the tribute to the troop shows or any themed shows that involve red, white, and blue. I think you can go further and have the ropes colored to the theme of the show, not just red, black, white, or blue. I'm always a fan of the Halloween Havoc event doing orange and black. All of us that love the Create a Ring feature in the WWE video game series definitely (laughs) explored with the various color rings. But wrestling rings in general are the the floor the 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 movie screen for all of our stories to be played out. And I'm glad we took this time to go back through the annals of time to relive the evolution of the wrestling ring and I cannot wait to see what happens over the next 10, 20, 30 years and how the ring evolves itself. What a great way to wrap up the 150th edition of Beyond the Bell. When we return, our old school theme of the week, and we preview our next edition of your old school nostalgia podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. You watch it on TV. Go to all the shows. Even pretend to be the champ in front of your mirror at home. Lock up. Stop pretending and get in the ring. Arn Anderson, big hip toss, okay, please? At High Spots Wrestling School, you learn from the very best. Our trainers are seasoned veterans who will teach you what it takes to be a real professional wrestler. Very good. Hi, wrestling fans. This is Mr. Number One, George South. You know, I've been a professional wrestler for over 40 years. The number one question that I'm always asked is, where can I go to get pro wrestling training? Well, folks, 
HighSpots.com right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, the greatest pro wrestling school in all the world. We want to invite you to come on down. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter your size, your age, your shape. Women or men, we'd love to have you. Come on down. Turn your dream of being in the main event of the evening into reality today. For more information, go to HighSpots.com or call 704-364-7818. Can you dig it, dig it, dig it sucker? sucker. Uh, this is Booker T, the five-time WCW champion, and you're listening to SNS Radio Network. Can you dig it, sucker? Well, fans. Old and new, thank you so much for joining me for this special edition Beyond the Bell number 150. 150 episodes of Beyond the Bell, and I thank you fans. I could not have done it without your support. We're growing over the next few weeks. I'll be making some major announcements on the future of the show. All positive, don't worry. Beyond the Bell is going to have a big year this year, and I'm excited to bring you all this old-school nostalgia content. Talking about nostalgia, what a perfect time as we enter WrestleMania month and Beyond the Bell and we kick off our content on the next edition. Next on Beyond the Bell, we take you back in time to relive the very first ever WrestleMania that took place in California. It was one of three venues for WrestleMania 2. We cover all three events and all three locations, but this is in spirit of the first WrestleMania to take place in California as WrestleMania 31 will be in California this year. So next week we cover WrestleMania 2, the event itself, the impact to play, the the background, the groundbreaking innovative events that took place. First ever big event from the WWF hailing from three different locations and the fallout that preceded this extraordinary event WrestleMania 2 next week on Beyond the Bell. So fans, let's wrap it all up with some old school music as we connect socially, Facebook, Twitter, as well as btbcast.com for all of your archive shows as well as snsradionetwork.com. So it's time to take it home with our old school theme of the week from the second major album from the World Wrestling Federation, Paul Driver. The WWF Superstars present If You Only Knew, one of my favorite songs from the 80s. And for some reason, I think about my professional wrestling rings for my action figures. So let's take it home with If You Only Knew, courtesy of the album Driver from the World Wrestling Federation. So until our next edition, WrestleMania 2, I'm your party host, Sean Beckerman, signing off. Remember, as always, stay old school, my friends. Comic pattern. It's the way I'll make you eat those 
words that matter If you only knew What I'm gonna do to you You'd be running out of here As fast as two feet could carry you Your destiny Belongs to me If you only If you only knew. 